In Ukraine, the United Nations is sending investigators to the village of Hroza. 52 people were killed there. Also on the programme, AI-powered live facial recognition cameras. Well, there are new calls for them to be banned immediately. And the winner of the 2023 Nobel Peace Prize, Nargis Mohammadi, is still in prison in Iran. We look at her campaigning for women's rights in the country. And as the Labour Party win in Scotland, what does that mean for their chances in the next general election? Hello, welcome to the programme. We're going to start in the small village of Haroza. Our correspondent has uh, made it there. And just a warning, the details uh, of this story are distressing. 52 people were killed yesterday in the attack. Every family in the village has been affected. Take a look at these uh, drone pictures showing in the middle there the local cafe. Now, the gathering was there apparently because it was a wake after a funeral. That's why so many people were in one place. The local prosecutor is saying this was a deliberate attack by Russia. The UN human rights officials say there's no military targets here. It is the deadliest missile attack in Ukraine in more than a year. Uh, Russia, though, insisting again that Russia does not target civilians. Well, let's take a look at exactly where this is happening in East Ukraine, in the Kharkiv uh, region. And it is not too far from the front lines, as our reporter James Waterhouse now explains. As you can see, a memorial has been set up in the middle of the blast zone where this missile hit yesterday. We are in a playground where most of the bodies were recovered and eerily the swings and the slide are still standing. And Rozar is a tiny settlement. It feels very strange to be stood in such destruction in somewhere so small. You can see vehicles have been caved in by the sheer force of the blast and such is the power generated. It's not immediately obvious what was hit. A lot of the debris has been cleared away to the side. You can see a fridge, you can see air conditioning units, twisted metal, all these signature signs of a missile strike. And then here you have the building that was directly hit. A cafe slash shop where a funeral wake was taking place yesterday for a Ukrainian soldier. Now, as far as the prosecutor for this area is concerned, it was a deliberate attack by Moscow. The use of a ballistic missile, these Iskander missiles, which are fairly accurate, reinforces that claim. But for now, you just have a scene like this in a village of 300, and it impacts everyone here. It goes far beyond this scene of devastation, where once again we see civilian areas, civilians themselves targeted by Russian missiles and there's debris like this dotted around and you can tell it's from a missile because it's heavy. It is dense metal. It's quite a sight for a village so small. Uh, really haunting details there from uh, James Waterhouse, our correspondent. Now we're going to stay with the conflict in Ukraine, but we're going to head south uh, to the occupied uh, Crimea. Let's take a look at the map because there have been reports of other uh, developments here. You can see occupied Crimea at the south there. Now there 
have been reports that the Black Sea Fleet, Russia's Black Sea Fleet, has been effectively on the move, moving away from its uh, long-term naval base there. Now, the BBC hasn't been able to independently confirm um, any of this, but we have had these satellite images of the fleet in, uh, in place and uh, intelligence uh, reports analysis uh, suggesting that uh, the fleet has been moving to try and establish what is going on. We can speak to Patrick Bury, Senior Lecturer in Security at the University of Bath. Thank you very much for coming on the programme. Good evening, Liz. So, as I said, we don't have uh, confirmation of exactly what is happening around the occupied Crimea, but what's your understanding of, of what has been happening? Well, over the summer and in the last month especially, Ukraine has been tightening the screw on Crimea and especially on, on the Black Sea Fleet. Um, we know it's got the UK-supplied Storm Shadow missile. That's being used on the attack against the Black Sea Fleet uh, in September, the end of September, the 22nd. Um, we also have had an attack on Sevastopol against a submarine and another ship damaging it. Um, and we've had numerous attacks against the S-400 missile, air missile defence systems on the peninsula, which are used basically to protect the uh, Black Sea Fleet. So if you take all these things together and the fact that there have been some raids with aerial and maritime drones, which have also been successful. And the Black Sea Fleet is obviously coming under more pressure. And so they're the reporting that 14, 15 boats have left Sevastopol and are moving further east to Novo Russisik would make sense, uh, essentially, because if you're a commander, you'd realise that there's holes in your air defence, there's gaps in your coverage, a radar station was, was hit as well, uh, and therefore you can't guarantee the safety of these uh, assets, essentially. Interesting. And what's the significance of kind of taking a step uh, a step back? Yeah. What's the kind of significance of that? Well, the Black Sea Fleet is, you know, as, as by its name, it, it's basically there to control the Black Sea. Uh, and the point of it really has been in terms of a blockade of Ukraine's southern ports and stopping it, getting its uh, grain exports out of which it's been fairly successful. Um, Odessa has a has a low draw. So the boats that get into there, as far as I understand, you know, they can't carry as much grain out. So um, there's been some efforts and some some essentially running of the blockade by the Ukrainians, but it hasn't been anywhere near the levels of export that they usually expect. So by pushing the Black Sea fleet back, the Ukrainians will be hoping that they can get their economy going a bit better. Now, obviously, it's still uh, a lot of the occupied lands where they produce the grain are still taken, but uh, they've certainly had uh, a lot of grain that they have tried to distribute through other means, and that would help them get it out that way. Interesting. Patrick, uh, if it's OK, I want to ask you about uh, our correspondent James Waterhouse and his reporting that we showed at the top of the programme here. Really distressing, unimaginable for what that small village is going through with so many people killed. Uh, we have this back and forth now. Local officials there saying this was a deliberate attack from Russia. Russia saying uh, they don't attack uh, civilians. Getting to the exact truth, of course, will be very difficult. But what's your assessment given the location of that village? Well, it's highly likely that it was Russia. Um, I think you've got to remember that, you know, Russia's way of managing the message, essentially disinformation, is to deny and then throw out a net. Later, we would probably expect a whole load of different, uh, you know, semi-plausible explanations for this. Um, and that's how they, they, they deal with these issues. Uh, if it was an Iskander missile, as James correctly said, then they've got a high degree of accuracy and that would, and bearing in mind, it, it looks like it was fired at a crowd outside a cafe. 
then you know somebody has decided using their targeting to do that. Uh, one would imagine, especially when you take into the account that, as, as far as I understand, this was a wake for a uh, Ukrainian soldier's family, and a um, and and also this town hadn't been shelled before, even though it is close to the front line, and that uh, essentially people were probably more uh, open to taking a bit of risk because it hadn't been shelled, so they had a had, had a large uh, crowd to aim at. Uh, so it's interesting, but it also indicates at the higher level, you know, the, the air defense around uh, is around the Ukrainian cities, essentially. Even then, it's fairly stretched. It just can't go to the to the villages near the front line. Patrick Brewery, it's always good to get your expertise. Thank you so much for talking us through that. We'll speak to you again soon. Thank you.